What every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpit. A beautiful August morning. Cooler than usual for this time of the year. Late last month we enjoyed a heat wave. Late 20s, <laughs> early 30s. It would last for around 10 days. It's been many years since we enjoyed such a heat wave. I don't think it's going to return. But uh, when good weather arrives, as always, head out to the highways and the byways get the gospel out we're still working the streets every saturday afternoon speaking to people trying to win souls to the lord jesus christ the word of god says he that winneth souls is wise and please join me this coming sunday when i look at psalm 37 i've been working through the book of psalms for 65 weeks <laughs> where is the year gone it's been a tremendous blessing but i thought for this morning i should, uh, should return to the open air pulpit. It's been several weeks since I was last up here. And uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about examining ourselves, whether we are in the faith at least once, perhaps twice a year. Make sure we are consecrated. Make sure we are praying, witnessing, sharing the gospel to lost people. But above all, working on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a relationship, not a religion, of course. And again, salvation is in a person not a place and i've said that over the years but it's true and it's worth speaking about again let's start uh, this morning's message if we may in revelation chapter 20 if it wasn't for the book of revelation we'd have no idea how it all plays out like when the lord blows the final whistle we wouldn't know exactly explicitly how it all play out you've got references in the four gospels of course and Back in the Old Testament, some of Paul's epistles uh, speak about the Antichrist. But of course, only John speaks about the false prophet and the Antichrist. And many times the false prophet is overlooked. Revelation 20, let's pick it up in verse, let's see now, 11. And I saw a great white throne, white picturing purity. A throne, not the beamer seat, which Paul speaks about, but this is a great white throne. And him that sat on it, being the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. What a thought. Even now, at this 11th hour in the church age, this world is still very pretty. My beautiful open-air pulpit, <laughs> which I commended over a decade ago. And yes, although sin is still spiring out of control, what does it say in one of Paul's epistles? Men will be lovers themselves. Uh, boast is proud heady blasphemers so on and so forth claim to be religious uh, but denying the power thereof and even at the end of the church age and we really are at the end of the end even though things are bad now there's still a level of beauty heaven and earth fled away like it will go out of existence and yet even this earth will not completely be annihilated at the second advent there was found no place for them you think about famous people, rich people, that 1% that control this world. They like to hide away in castles, in uh, private mansions. They like to go to uh, space and back. People like uh, Bezo and uh, Branson like to show off their money. And yet people have been struggling terribly over the last 18 months or so. And yet these billionaires, are flying around without a care in the world and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away 
and it was found no place for them so one day when christ is good and ready he will summon everybody who has ever lived died without faith in the lord jesus christ they'll be resurrected to stand in his presence and even now people are still hiding parking themselves up here or there heading off to prosperous countries like Barbados perhaps or Mallorca or prosperous countries enjoying themselves and I saw the dead small and great stand before God Christ is God Paul says God was manifest in the flesh and the books were opened the Word of God says how Christ is the author the author and finisher of our faith an author when he writes a book does all the donkey work himself he may if he's loud or if he has the ability he may hire researchers it'd be winston churchill after he left office in 1945 was commissioned to write some books and his books sold very well and he contacted those at oxford and cambridge and he said uh, i need x amount of researchers to help me write it may have been his autobiography i forget what it was he wrote a lot of books after the war and they said this is wonderful and the former prime minister <laughs> is calling upon us to help him write his memoirs and of course they got to work very well paid of course and after maybe six months or so researching whatever he was asking them to research they sent their papers back to uh churchill's home i've been there it's uh outside of kent from memory forget what it's called uh and I think it's Blenheim Palace actually and all these papers arrived over Churchill's desk he started to read through them all yes I keep that tick 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 throw that out keep that that's interesting don't want that I'll come back to that later wrote his memoirs I think it was his memoirs actually and uh, of course it was written by uh, Winston Churchill went out under his name no credit to the researchers of course they're well paid like i say but uh, churchill gave no credit no credit to the researchers if you think to the golden days in hollywood when music was purer than it currently is you had famous composers who would uh, contact uh, up-and-coming composers and they would say to these not so famous people help me to write this or help me to write that and they would have uh, two or three assistant composers arrangers uh, people like Max Steiner and uh, Corn Gold, guys like that, and uh, Alfred Newman, and these famous American uh, film composers wrote some of the best music ever produced in the 20th century. Again, we'd use all these other people to help them score their themes and uh, wouldn't give the credit to those composers who helped uh, them write their work. Of course, they were paid ha handsomely for it, you understand, but they weren't credited. And I saw the dead, dead, small and great. Doesn't matter how small you are or how great you are. It could be Alexander the Great or some of these people who like to give themselves names. Small and great it could be your local tramp, your local dosser. Small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. Not just one, not just two, but perhaps three. And the book was opened. So let's say three books which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their work so you got the rapture tribulation millennial reign during the millennial reign people will be born obviously uh, they will be saved obviously but those who are 
uh, born, live and die during the millennial reign have to be resurrected to be judged. So at the great white throne judgment, you will have some saved people present. Not from the church age, because of course when we die, we are absent from the body but present with the Lord. But those who go through the millennial reign and die are going to be resurrected and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they'll be judged for their works. Now on the one hand, works in reference to the last, like what did you do? How did you live your life? What sort of life did you live? Were you uh, a thoroughly evil person? In other words, God will judge you for what you knew, not what you did not know. He'll judge you for what you did, not just what you did not do. And then, of course, you have to pay for your sins at the great white throne judgment. Also in reference to those who are saved in the millennial reign, and they are judged for their works. How did you live after you were saved? Be like the beamer seat, you've got five crowns. And we give an account of ourselves at the beamer seat, but this is a different sort of a judgment. Look at 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. 75% of the world is water. 71% of our bodies are water. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. I enjoy a good spy thriller. A good crime documentary i don't mind admitting that <laughs> maybe one of my weaknesses i like to uh, follow the plot like agatha christie for example who done it or some of the great sherlock holmes uh, sir arthur conan doyle stuff like that and you watch some of these programs or you read some of the books or you follow along online and they keep you uh, captivated who did it was it him was it her <laughs> And, of course, all those stories are based on the Bible. You understand that, of course. I mean, for example, every script, every movie is a counterfeits of the Word of God. You've got the damsel in distress, picture of the church. You've got the good guy, picture of Christ. You've got the bad guy, picture of the devil, of course. Nothing new under the sun, as Solomon would say. 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. The second and final death, you've got two deaths in scripture. The first death is Luke 16, which I've spoken about many times over the years. The rich man is in hell and he's got Lazarus putting his feet up, being comforted by Abraham. And I went through that maybe three or four months ago at the open air pulpit. That's the first death. That's pretty bad. That's pretty horrendous. You die awake, conscious, see, feel, experience those emotions are still present. You're able to bark orders. You're able to lament over the bad old days. That's the first death. Second death, it gets even worse. You become blind and uh, you become like a maggot, which you find over in Isaiah 66 and Mark chapter 9. But go back to uh, 11 again. And I saw a great white throne. John is shown the future. He's shown something which Paul was not shown. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Well, the heaven, and here it's probably uh, the first heaven, which technic uh, technically comes under our earth. For example, if I was to jump up and down, I'm in the first heaven. But of course, the third heaven will be eternal, as is God. There was found no place for them, nowhere to hide in the, in the, uh, in the tribulation. Revelation chapter 6, it speaks about those hiding themselves in the rocks and the caves. And we know as of now that there are secret bases all over the world. 
not just military bases, but private places where the rich like to hide out. And you can be sure that if Branson has his own island, uh, somewhere in the, is it the Pacific or Be Bezo, the Amazon guy, I'm sure he's got an island or two tucked away. It wasn't just back in the 1960s when people like uh, Onassis wanted to buy Bali, that beautiful island. But today the so-called good and the great own their own islands. Probably Rupert Murdoch owns an island as well. And of course when the tribulation really gets underway, these people are going to be hiding out. And probably putting invites out to their friends to come and join them to escape the Antichrist. But of course you can't escape him. And more importantly, you cannot escape Christ. And I saw the dead, small and great, everyone and anyone. This is going back to creation, of course. Stand before God, resurrected. Many people have got away with terrible crimes over the years. Like I said, I, like to enjoy, I do enjoy a good old crime story, whodunit. And uh, most of the time, the police catch the culprits and he or she is sentenced and spends a lot of time in prison, most of the time, not always, but most of the time. And uh, you think about those people who escape justice, people like Stalin, <coughs> never stood trial after <coughs> the war, or Hitler, or Pol Pot, all these characters I've spoken about over the years. And you've got people at a lower level, lots of those who were involved with World War II, the Nazis were Roman Catholics, Operation Paperclip, they were smuggled out of Europe. Those that went to uh, Catholic countries like uh, Argentina, uh, Guatemala, and other countries like that escaped, never to see the light of day again. They walked it basically, and the other group of Nazis went to work in America. And of course, they put the man on the moon, 1969, or did they? But the point is lots of those Nazis who escaped justice after the war uh, did so because they were Roman Catholic. And of course most of America and uh, most of Britain is owned by the Catholic Church. The books were opened, so Christ is the author, author and finisher of our faith. We are saved by believing on him. Uh, we trust what he did for us. We don't trust what we do for him. I mean, the best we've got is no good anyway. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the book was opened, which is a book of life. Could be the Lamb's book of life, although technically the Lamb's book of life will cover those who were saved uh, throughout the church age. So pre-Christ, you've got those who were righteous, those who are upright, those who believed in a promise. Of course, for those of us which have come since that era, we believe in the one who gave the promise. It's going to be grace from creation uh, to uh, the end of time, obviously. But what the Lord will do and has done is he will dispense grace in different ways. And that sometimes causes a lot of confusion amongst some of our dispensational brethren. Dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You think about Luke chapter 2, going into Luke chapter 3, you've got, I think, 44 names. Such and such begat such and such, who begat such and such, or 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Such and such, who begat such and such, who begat such and such, who begat such and such. And I have to admit that when I read through Luke's Gospel, I do skip 
uh, that genealogy. I probably shouldn't, but I do. But you might say to yourself, why all those names in the Word of God? Who cares about all those names? Or you go back to the book of Genesis, which I'm reading at the moment, speaks about somebody whose donkey got lost out in the wilderness somewhere, and a couple of guys were sent to find the wandering donkey, or the man with the wandering donkey. You think, why would that be in the Word of God? Of course, this is a history book, but not only is this a history book, this is about the author of history. Again, Christ is the author and finisher of our, uh, finisher of our faith. But what that's really telling me, and probably you as well, if you think about this logically and uh, uh, consistently, what that is telling me is that God sees in his everything. And when you're born, your name goes into his book of life. If you receive Christ, it stays there. If you reject Christ, your name is blotted out. It's a terrifying thought, but it's, I think, a logical conclusion to come to. Judge out of those things which were written in the books, the statute books, is what they call it today. Uh, when somebody is put before the courts, they read out the uh, crimes or the charges laid against the uh, defendant, the plaintiff, as they call them in America, and uh, they read out the charges, and of course you hear the charges being read out. But of course before you arrive in courts with your lawyer, if you are in America, or your barrister, if you are in the UK, your defence team has already seen the charges that were laid out against you. The prosecutors have to show your defence team uh, what they have against you. But here you got Christ in the first heaven, judging those. You're standing in outer space. You're probably, uh, probably naked as well. You came into the world naked. You go out naked. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Every shipwreck, every plane that's gone missing. Uh, anyone who's ever drowned, they'll be resurrected as well. And death and hell, going back to the first death, Luke 16, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. That's what's going to happen at the end of time, at the end of the millennial reign. Christ will judge everyone, going right back to creation, like I say. And all those people who died and lived without Christ will have to give an account of themselves to him. And it won't just be people like Alexander the Great or good uh, Pope John, as they like to call him after he died in 1963, or St. John Paul II, or St. Pope Paul VI, <laughs> or St. Christopher, or St. Uh, Cecilia, all those people. You'll have ordinary people that'll be resurrected. Just last week we were on the streets, Saturday afternoon, weather wasn't particularly good for this time of the year. It's okay now, praise the Lord, it's starting to warm up now. Feels more summery than autumn, praise God. And this old boy came walking towards Patrick and I, and uh, Patrick had spoken to him before. I, don't rec I didn't recognize him myself, but Patrick recognized him. And he said to this elderly gentleman, in his late 80s, he said, uh, you've had one of my tracks before, haven't you? And he looked at the tracks. So I said, oh, yeah, I've had that before. And uh, Patrick said to him, are you reading your Bible every day? He said, oh, no. He said, I'm too busy uh, with my girlfriend. And he gave me a sort of corny wink. And I thought, that kind of smutty joke uh, for a man of your age is pretty sad. Not uncommon, of course, but it's pretty sad. And uh, he was sort of trying to draw me into his smutty talk. I thought, why would you even attempt to do that? I mean, we're here to help you. We're not here for our own health. I like a good joke. Don't get me wrong. I've got a pretty wild sense of humour. <laughs> but there's a time and a place for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I don't want to be talking uh, smut on the street with sinners. 
but that sort of a chap will be resurrected along with Alexander the Great and have to give an account of themselves to the Lord and death and hell verse 14 were cast into the lake of fire you think of a river you think of an ocean it could be anywhere like I say most of the earth is water based as, as are our bodies and I guess one of the terrible deaths will be to drown uh, if you can't swim it's pretty horrific and all those people that have, de- uh, that have died that have drowned will be resurrected this is the second death of verse 15 and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire and off they go forever and they're going to burn and they're going to burn and they're going to burn I don't use the Romans road approach I'm not against it but I don't use it when I speak to a sinner on the street I follow Wesley's uh, pattern and the way the way that uh, Wesley would do it he would spend if he had an hour with a sinner and it's very rare to have an hour with a sinner but what he would do is he would spend probably 50 minutes breaking the sinner down showing the sinner how God sees such a person not how we see ourselves most of what you see online or reading papers or see on the television it's fake it's all scripted it's like a movie basically you go into a news channel you sit in what's called the green room and you're prepped in the green room and they do your makeup and they say to you right we're going to speak to you about this and we will speak to you about that but we won't speak to you about this or that of course you say don't ask me this don't ask me that and you go into the uh, you go into the television studio got the uh, floor manager with the earpiece it's all very carefully scripted and they won't ask you difficult questions and if they ask you any which appears to be difficult or awkward many times that's been pre-arranged it's been scripted in and you've even rehearsed it some of these people <laughs> it's not real go to uh, Matthew chapter 7 so I like to start with how God sees all of us uh, 50 minutes with a sinner if you're lucky of course <coughs> and then 10 minutes but the good news is Christ died for us while we yet uh, without strength Christ died for the ungodly so on so forth so I start with a negative because of course most of the Bible is negative thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not Christ died for our sins negative was buried for our sins negative was raised from the dead after three days positive so 75% of the word of God is negative start with the negative put people uh, in their place don't sweet talk them don't butter them up speak the truth to them my experience over the years has shown me that if I speak the truth to people on the streets they have more respect quote-unquote for me than if I were to lie to them like a lot of religious people I guess the main theme of this message will be along the lines of deception I read an article last week a lady in the UK gave an interview to a TV channel in this country and uh, basically she met a guy online and uh, clicked with this chap and uh, fell in love with this chap but had never spoken to him had never met him and over a period of weeks and perhaps months this chap that she clicked with online said to her please help me out I am stranded here I've got no money lost my passport the old scam of course and this woman middle-aged woman professional middle-class woman well-to-do fell for it and she gave him half a million pounds her entire life savings 
gone just like that and reading some of the comments people are saying serves you right you know you stupid woman blah 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 so quick to judge her of course uh, Romans 2 says when we judge others we judge ourselves and I felt kind of sorry for this woman and there's probably no chance she'll ever get her money back she was deceived she thought she was right with her boyfriend her new man in her life she was convinced she had the real deal and he was a scammer probably from Nigeria if the truth were known Matthew chapter 7 Matthew chapter 7 look at verse 21 not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven I've read this verse hundreds of times over the years not just from the pulpits uh, but in my own uh, devotional time and when I go through the book of Psalms for example an ongoing project and again join me this Sunday God willing when I start uh, Psalm 37 I analyze the the, uh, the verses look at the words I try and get the cross references I try and apply it uh, for those of us living today and I've been shocked and stunned <laughs> in a good way you understand how much of the book of Psalms is for us today uh, but when I'm studying when I'm recording I am doing just that I am studying it's like writing an article or producing a dissertation I've written probably 50 or 60 articles and Patrick's got probably a similar number online he's written two books so we are authors in that sense and when you write something when you prepare to write something you do the studying you do the groundwork you may have people to help you like Churchill did or Max Steiner or Korngold or those American composers or Alfred Newman but at the end of the day you have to do the spade work yourself you engross yourself into your writings I mean Patrick's written 39 chapters on uh, Munich Nights 39 chapters he's been on it, he's been on it for two years three years he just lives and breathes it and that's what you've got to do when it comes to writing anything uh, when I sit down to spend time with the Lord just him and I that's devotional time and I look at these passages these verses and I go back to what I said a few minutes ago we have to examine ourselves whether we are in the faith we can all get cold we can all backslide we can all get dry we can all get preoccupied with the cares of this life and when that happens we start to uh, just drift like the analogy I've used over the years a car's in neutral and it's going downhill and it's out of control in fact you know when you take your driving test if you are uh, in the car and the car is not in gear and in America they all have automatic cars but in this country we have manual and automatic cars if you drive a manual car the old stick and pedal if you don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> when you drive the uh, the manual car in this country if you are with your driving instructor and you take the uh, you, you take the car out of gear and it just drifts down the hill you fail the test because the car is out of control you understand so that's what happens when a Christian <coughs> doesn't walk with the Lord doesn't stay consecrated too much studying isn't a good thing Solomon would say that uh, too much of anything isn't a good thing we've got to get the balance right and one of the great ways to get the balance right if if you are a brother especially is to go onto the streets regularly and speak to people face to face they'll soon push you back 
they won't allow you to get high and mighty they'll tear you down I've had people tear me down the streets uh, over the years and I thank God for it I really do because of course I can get puffed up and arrogant not everyone that saith unto me Jesus is speaking Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven now technically the kingdom of heaven isn't uh, heaven per se it's not the kingdom of God technically speaking uh, Matthew 5 6 7 8 is the outline Sermon on the Mount the uh, Lord's government if you will so technically speaking the kingdom of heaven is Christ's millennial reign but we can and we will use it today to double check that we are all saved or walking with God Almighty not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven many will say to me in that day Lord Lord it's a Pete from 21 have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name are cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works what Paul say for by grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast and then will I profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity so the so the reality is that many people will arrive at the judgment to be judged by the one who is the judge of all judges and if they had any thought in their mind that works played any part in their salvation they'll be terribly disappointed because of course if you go down the faith and works route uh, for salvation how many works do you need to produce to know you are saved and of course you speak to most churches they say you can't know you're saved but first John says these things are written unto you that ye may know that you have everlasting life so if you can know you have everlasting life how does that fit with the faith and works scenario of course it does not go back to 21 again not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven at the judgment you can speak to the Lord and you have your opportunity to I guess speak up for yourself Paul says in Romans 2 how every mouth will be stopped and all the world will become guilty I often think to myself what uh, would I say if I wasn't saved or what would you say if you weren't saved I mean when I meet Christ I'll be on my face as I'm sure you will uh, kissing his feet as I'm sure you will and I'll be looking out for the blood of Christ I've got nothing else to hope for but there will be people who will be very vocal and of course the more you speak the more you condemn yourself be that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven keep your hand there go to John 6 look at verse 29 Jesus answered and said unto them this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent one more verse 40 and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I'll raise him up at the last day go back to Matthew chapter 7 so you're saved by faith the just live by faith not by sight we walk by faith not by sight 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? This will be the great white throne judgments. And in thy name are cast out devils. Of course, Judas will cast out devils. But he was called a devil, wasn't he? And in thy name, not Mary's name. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. I'm sure they did. I've said over the years that when it comes to good works, the JWs are probably in a class of their own. They go out door knocking, or they would do before COVID came along. And a good JW is expected to go out 30 hours a week. Even Prince, the late pop star. And uh, that famous uh, guitarist who used to play with Cliff Richard, whose name escapes me, still alive to this day. Even uh, those two famous multimillionaires would go out door knocking with the JWs. Hank Marvin, was it? Works won't save you. Prophesying won't save you. Casting out devils won't save you. And then verse 23, will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work, work iniquity. Such a crowd never saved to begin with. They thought they were saved, which makes it, which makes it even worse. That lady who was conned, meeting that chap online, groomed, probably, gave her entire life savings to that fraudster, con man, had to live with the shame and uh, the humiliation of being ripped off she was convinced in her heart that all was well because her hearts are desperately wicked and that's the problem isn't it 25 years ago a bishop at our old church who was part of our diocese died and uh, two or three priests that patrick knew thought they were in line to a place this bishop and uh, one of the priests jumped the gun and uh, went up to London to visit his tailor and uh, priests in the Church of Rome and Church of England go to a place in London, I forget where it is and they deal with all of the uh, garments, the vestments that priests and vicars wear it's a very expensive upmarket place somewhere in London and this bishop, or this priest went up hoping to be the bishop and he spent £8,000 buying all these lovely vestments special hat, shoes and they, they, uh, they measured him up and he was so sure, so sure he was going to get the phone call from the Archbishop saying uh, uh, you've been offered the Bishop prick and he got home, very pleased with himself three loads of vestments to, uh, to wear three times a year they rotate them of course, different times of the year, different events and he got home and he was telling his friends, any day now, the phone call is going to come from the arch. They called the Archbishop the arch. And of course, you got Pope, uh, Cardinal, Archbishop, Bishop, uh, Monsignor, Priest, sometimes a canon, which is between a priest and a, and a Monsignor. They have a pecking order, you see. They're like a military outfit. And this priest got home, sat by the phone, waiting for the phone to ring. And he was so convinced he was sure of himself. That the bishop would phone him up and so excuse me that the archbishop would phone him up and offer him the job of bishop the phone call never came and in the end another priest uh from another diocese was offered the job of being bishop and of course this priest's heart sunk he jumped the gun he was convinced that he was in the running to become the new bishop 
Well, fast forward many years later, this elderly priest got sick, he died, and I served his mass. He was a very well-known priest at our old church, and as they were uh, clearing out his wardrobe, emptying his property, they found the garments, the vestments. They'd been in there for many, many years. He couldn't bring himself to throw them away. He thought, well, even now, maybe just perhaps I could still be offered the job of the bishop. Bishop Prick, as it said over in Acts 1, never happened of course. I profess unto them, and then I will profess unto them, I will say unto them, I never knew you. That's devastating. Depart from me. It gets even worse. Ye that work iniquity. Go to uh, Matthew 13. What could be worse than hearing those words from the man from Galilee? who loved you and died for you. You may expect that from the words of a politician or a gangster or a criminal. You may, you may expect that from your ex-husband or your ex-wife. But how about when Christ says that to you? You'll make your blood run cold. Uh, Matthew 13, Matthew 13. Uh, look at verse 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather them out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, like an oven of fire, the lake of fire, which never burns up. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun, in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear let him hear christ preached about hell many times it's been said over the years and i haven't checked this myself but it's been said over the years that he preached about hell at least three times every year and the term hellfire preacher comes from the lord jesus christ over the last 15 16 17 18 months now nearly 19 months i've been watching and waiting uh, for somebody to come along and really lay the law down and just speak to the British people about why we are in this situation. It hasn't happened, of course, it never will, because of course the gospel is an offence. And uh, most of those people that you see online or you hear about, or most of the household name preachers are either fake, effeminate, or just pure cowards. They won't preach the gospel, they won't lay the law down. And I've often thought what it would be like if, say, the Archbishop of Canterbury was to go on television. It won't happen, of course. Or even the Pope of Rome. And just really blast sin. And really exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And really condemn sinners. That famous sermon, Sin is in the hand of an, ang of an angry God. When that was first uh, given by uh, Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, 18th century people just collapsing on the floor they couldn't handle it i mean the pressure of such a sermon and people were screaming just rolling around on the floor uh couldn't speak people were so convicted of their sins it would be very interesting to know what would happen if somebody in america for example would buy airtime for 30 minutes or buy television time for 30 minutes and just read that sermon out on American television or on American radio. You can't do it in this country. There's no independent television or radio in this country, but in America, you can buy airtime. And it'd be very interesting to know what 
people would think to hear such a sermon and that most people probably just turn it off but some would be very convicted 41 again the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity they practice it 24 7 a christian will fall into sin and i spent many years discussing standing estates i won't repeat it this morning but we don't practice sin we do sin because we are saved uh, we are sinners saved by a sinless savior but we don't practice sin we don't live in sin we're not sinners uh, 24 7 there's a difference between standing and state uh, david was a carnal man as was solomon but they weren't always carnal they didn't wake up and spend the whole day being carnal you understand the difference of course these people in verse 41 were never saved to begin with i shall cast them into a furnace of fire there shall be wailing that's a terrible thing wailing it's like screaming and gnashing of teeth like the pain is unbearable then shall the righteous shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear let him hear go to matthew 24 matthew 24 matthew 24 uh, pick it up in verse 11 and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive not some but many people like uh, mooney people like uh, hubbard uh, people like muhammad uh, people like Russell, people like Young, people like the Popes, mystics, gurus, uh, name it and claim it, preachers. So many people out there, so many false prophets. And because iniquity, there's our word again, iniquity, transgression, shall abound, increase. The love of many, not just some, shall wax cold. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Saved, uh, saved from deception, saved from apostasy, saved from being indifferent to the Lord. Go to Matthew 25. Paul speaks about uh, those, that is, uh, those that are deceived and being deceived. What a terrifying thought. You've got groups of people that are not only deceived, but they are deceived themselves. Imagine that. Matthew 25, Matthew uh, 25, pick it up in verse uh, 41, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels, what could be worse than that? I mean, somebody crosses you, or you cross them, you fall out with somebody, you get into an altercation with somebody, it's pretty bad. You hope that perhaps one day you can clear the air. Two days ago, I saw an article online, a lady in America had gone out of town on a business trip, and when she returned a few days later, her apartment had been ransacked, just cleared out. And she thought to herself, what's going on? Have I been robbed? turns out her husband of 18 years just cleared the entire apartment out everything 
even the wedding rings were taken. Obviously she thought she had a good marriage, she was deceived. And she has to rebuild her house now, an empty apartment, even the uh, cups and plates were taken. The husband uh, cleared house. If I wasn't hungered and he gave me no meats, I was thirsty and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger and ye took me not in naked and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison and ye visited me not. We're saved unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, 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 Lord. When saw we thee an hungered or thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee. Then shall he answer them saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And he shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. What's going on? Well, at the end of the tribulation, before the millennial reign commences, Christ gathers the nations, the sheep and the goats, the tares and the wheat. We're seeing it now, aren't we? A very clear delineation now between the sheep and the goats, the tares and the wheat. But at the end of the tribulation, before the thousand years is commenced, those nations, those that survived the tribulation, one particular group took the mark, and of course will pay the price for that. The other group did not, stayed faithful. So very briefly, one group would appropriate the atonement, believed on him, was saved, and did what they could to take care of the Lord's people, his brethren. Could be the Jews, but more likely in reference to those who have received him as their saviour. Matthew chapter, I think it's 13, or late chapter 12 going to chapter 13 and those that took care of, of the Lord's brethren did so because they were saved they're not being uh, justified by their works because of course by the law uh, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified but they are believers they've received Christ and they're taking care of his people and they go off into uh, everlasting rest because they have believed on the Lord taking care of his people like I said could be the Jews being kind to Israel which you should anyway or based on other scriptures I think it's Matthew 12 let me just double check I think it's Matthew 12 the last couple of verses Matthew 12 uh, those that do the will of his father are his brother and sister and mother and those that don't those that wouldn't receive him those that wouldn't believe on him uh, went after the Antichrist, like I say, took the mark. Uh, they're going to suffer for that terribly. Yeah, Matthew 12, uh, 50. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, John 6, believe on him, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Go back to Matthew 25, 41 again. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me. That's pretty rough, isn't it? Depart from me. Ye cursed into everlasting fire, not temporary fire, which is what Ellen White would hope you would believe, or Charles Taze Russell would hope you would believe. They believe in what's called annihilation, that after a period of time, 
uh, God's anger is abated, the fires go out, and the dead are eternally dead, like sleeping, never to wake up. That's a fallacy, it's a heresy. Prepare for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for mankind, which makes it even worse. Why would people go to such a terrible place? Because, of course, they've been lied to. They've been lied to by their religious leaders. And these poor souls are going to arrive at the judgment and they'll be screaming at the popes, screaming at priests, pastors, evangelists. Their souls were stolen. And they'll say to themselves, but we went to a mega church here, a mega church there. Or if you are a Catholic, there's over a billion of us. Or a Mohammedan, over a billion of us. Or whatever creed or faith you hold to. We can't all be wrong, surely. But the majority have always been in the wrong. Go back to Genesis. You've got a family of eight. Not 80, not 800. A family of eight. Who survived the flood. Acts chapter 1, around 120 people in the upper room, not 120,000, 120, around 120. Those that have the truth are in a minority, and I've always been in a minority. For I wasn't hungered, and he gave me no meat. Christ lives in all of us, of course, those of us who are born again. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he took me not in. Naked and he clothed me not, sick and in prison and he visited me not. During the tribulation, it will be really bad. You think it's bad now? Wait till it really, get, uh, really kicks off. If you want to know a bit about it, study uh, China, study uh, Russia, and read what you can about both countries. Or study countries like uh, Saudi Arabia, and you get some idea what it's going to be like in the tribulation. Stranger, he took me not in naked and he clothed me not sick, sick, sick and in prison. And he visited me not. A lot of righteous people <coughs> have been held in prison over the years. Wormbrand was held in prison for many, many years. They tortured him. They uh, tortured his wife. They broke his wife's ribs. And they did terrible things to Richard Wormbrand. And so many people have suffered so much over the last 2,000 years but especially over the last hundred years. You go back to the Inquisition, <coughs> those poor people were hounded and tracked down. Some of uh, Wycliffe's men in the 11th century were hounded by the Papists and uh, were really uh, punished. John Huss would be another one. And of course they attack God's people <coughs> because of course they can't attack God, obviously. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto you? These people are religious, first of all. Lord, Lord, Matthew chapter 7, cast them into a furnace of fire, Luke chapter 13. They're religious. They have no conception of the new birth. <coughs> they have no conception that Christ lives in me. For to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. That doesn't resonate with these religious people and that's one of the reasons why the catholic church was so uh, vehemently opposed to christians up until 1960 because they were jealous hateful 
and uh, and hated the idea that somebody could have a relationship with Jesus Christ outside of their system. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. You treated my people with contempt. You didn't take care of their needs. You were never saved to begin with. Never appropriated the atonement. And these shall go away into everlasting punishments. What could be worse than that? Everlasting. The same term is used for everlasting heaven. Everlasting punishment. Shame and contempt. Daniel chapter 12. Weeping and wailing. Matthew chapter 13. These words are coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not some gangster, like I say, not some corrupt politician, not some scammer in Nigeria, not some deluded priest putting on his garments, hoping that one day the phone call would come, be the new bishop. Not that lady whose husband walked out on her two or three days ago and over the years said he loved her and didn't love her, deceived her. She was deceived. But these words are going to come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everlasting punishment, you can't imagine it, can you? But the righteous, unto life eternal. So two groups of people, the Bible is a very black and white book. You should know that by now, if you've been saved for any period of time. So examine yourselves. I have to do it, you have to do it, we all have to do it. Are we saved? What are we trusted in? Why do we come to Christ? What's the purpose of coming to him? Why were we saved? When were we saved? Do we have a testimony? Has there been any kind of a change since we got saved? Can we point back to our Bethel moment back in Genesis? When Jacob says to his kids, put away your idols, clean your garments. It's time for a revival. I remember before I was saved 19 years ago, I remember the state I was in after I got saved 19 years ago, on my face, crying confessing repenting i was a blabbering idiot <laughs> but that's what it needs to be i think and you don't know what you've really got who you are until you hit a crisis until things start to go against you and then you think to yourself what is it all about who am i why did i become a christian why did i believe in christ what made me come to him in the first place did i come to him have i received him do i know him You've got two groups of people in this book. You've got the redeemed, the righteous, and you've got the unredeemed, the religious crowd. Those that put Christ on the cross were all religious. Not one atheist in the group. All religious people. Pilate was religious. Herod was religious. All the popes are obviously religious. Even famous atheists, believe it or not, are religious. Many of those atheists that we all know, and I've spoken about over the years, many of those atheists have been, and some are to this day, Freemasons. It's very rare to meet somebody who doesn't believe in anything or anyone at all. Because such people, according to Psalm 14, are fools. So I think I've done enough for this morning. I can't think of what could be worse than thinking you're saved and not saved having your soul stolen by sanctimonious religious characters dressing up 
as religious people being deceived and deceiving others people following their hearts what do they say follow your heart don't follow your heart use your head your heart's desperately wicked deceitful above all things who can know it yes you're born again you get a new heart when you're born again your spirit is regenerated but even in the book of acts you've got someone like simon peter who's saved loved the lord and he's arguing with him in acts chapter 10. you got paul later on in the book of acts arguing with agabus and the early church not got to jerusalem you've got other people in the word of god like john mark who backslides goes back to his mother and you've got Barnabas who won't submit to Paul. Book of Acts as well. These are all saved people. And yet they're not going in the right direction. They're not in submission to God Almighty. Which goes back to the old nature, the old man. Romans chapter 7, Philippians chapter 3. I spent many years discussing that. I won't this morning. So just a short video this morning. Uh, nothing too long nothing too substantial just to touch base with all of you uh, pray as much as you can read as much as you can witness as much as you can we are in the process of ordering a new gospel tract we have to keep pushing on all of us we go day by day that's all we can do uh, by god's grace i've passed the court away mark in the book of psalms uh, which is good and this week i'll be back into the book of psalms looking at chapter 37 or psalm 37 they're not chapters of course they are individual psalms and uh, read the scriptures each and every day if you can i can't stress how important that is clear your minds get rid of all the clutter that we all accumulate and stay consecrated stay close to the lord don't uh allow yourselves to be uh messed up spiritually or even physically and uh above all make sure you are born again you trust the blood of christ and nothing else but the blood of christ and i will now sign out and wish you every peace and blessing in the wonderful name of the lord jesus christ amen and amen